why you about to why you about to drink an expired beer on the program? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I wasn't thinking about this. Look, you you busted out the hundred and fifty you know year old uh, Bourbon County, so I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go to the shelf. I'm gonna open up the cabinet. I'm gonna get all hold my on, Bourbon Counties out. So let's, get... let's let's temper expectations here. It's not a hundred and fifty year old whiskey. It's the hundred and fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, well, just remember, <laughs> Tim. All right, if I'm about to bust out a hundred and fifty year old whiskey on this show, then you know I I have more money to burn than I'm, I'm aware of. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, anytime that something over a hundred years old gets opened up into the world, bad things happen, right? Have you seen the fucking mummy? So, good mm, luck to you, Tim. But uh, no, I'm I'm a little pissed about this. So, I saw you 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 were breaking out the hundred fiftieth anniversary bottle. So then I said, okay, cool. I got to match you. I got a little mm-hmm. stable of Bourbon Counties myself. Shout out, that's what's in our cups this week. I, we're just going wild off this anyways. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to get this 2020 stout age in bourbon barrels blended with Earl Grey tea, black tea, and honey. I said, this shit's going to be fire. And I'm looking at the bottle. On the back, it says, drink by 13 August 22, 11.58. It is October 19th, 2022. Fuck is up with this? I thought these things were good for like five years, Tim. What the fuck happened? Um, and now that I know that, I, I think I'm just going to give like a 3.2 in my head before I even crack it. Who knows? Anyways... Season three, episode 17, Stats of Matter. We're going to recap week six of the NFL season, rev up our picks machine for week seven, discuss what teams we're pretty sure are toast for the postseason because uh, mm-hmm. there's some that are really bad. And we're going to talk a little postseason baseball because uh, it is that time of year. It is October baseball. As you already heard us talking about in our cups this week, we got some whales from Chicago, Illinois, out of Goose Island. Follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things beer and sports. And finds that no matter wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show. Oh, my body is ready. Well, you know, <laughs> for, for someone who talks all this shit about how I'm always traveling, you got a whole bunch of life that's been happening too, dude. You you had yeah. your you had your birthday, then it was your son's birthday, then it was your anniversary, then it was your yeah. neighbor's birthday. There's a whole bunch of shit going on, but we we mostly back. We mostly Yeah. Back. Yeah, yeah. I know every time we keep saying we're back, something something comes up. Yeah. So my uh once like September hits, my, my birthday is not that big of a deal. I don't do much to celebrate it most of the time. Like usually pretty low key, but right after that, it immediately goes my son's birthday, our anniversary, which leads right into Halloween, which leads right into like all the Halloween parties that go down right so into you, Thanksgiving. Right have into, you watch Hocus Pocus 2 yet? Uh, I turned it on and could not make it through it. <laughs> To be fair, I wasn't the biggest fan of the of first the one. Yeah. Not that I didn't like it. It just wasn't, doesn't hold that special place in my heart that it does for some people. So, um, eh, meh. Interesting. Well, I did watch I, uh, Midnight Mass, though, which, if you haven't seen, is phenomenal. What? What is Midnight Mass? It's, uh, it was, uh, I don't know if it was a book originally, but it was very much like a Salem's Lot inspired oh. story. So mm-hmm. uh, it's about a uh, a guy who goes to jail for uh, a DUI in which resulted in a girlfriend's death. He comes home from prison, uh, moves awesome. back with his family uh, on this small little island. Um, the It's a super religious island. Of course. Uh, uh, yeah. Not not like, what was it, Wicker Man? Not like cult style. Yeah. It was just like everything focused around the church and whatnot. And the father goes off on a pilgrimage and falls ill. So a new 
pastor preacher takes his place and then things go awry dun 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 it's great dun, dun, dun. yeah a little bit of a slow burn picks up quite a bit it's pretty good pretty good interesting solid uh 7.5 out of 10 <laughs> interesting since yeah. this thing has already technically expired by the label, I feel like I have to drink it before your 150 year anniversary bottle because yours probably has more life on it, at least another yeah. you know few years. So I will say that there is a minimal amount of head retention here, and mm -hmm. I was worried about there being like clumps of stuff on the bottom of the beer, and there was none to be found, which I was completely okay with. So uh, in smelling this thing, there's some booze, but I'm also smelling like some kind of molasses-y type things i don't i don't know but uh all right let's let's go ahead you, and said, try it's it uh, you said it's a stout right it's not one of the barley ones yes correct it's a stout okay. your boy doesn't get along with barley wines except for mm -hmm. the one from barreled souls i also have in the, in the cabinet which i now i'm regretting we'll, we'll we'll see it when i drink this one but that one's okay. got peaches so i'm pretty sure i made the wrong fucking choice uh but okay <laughs> shout out goose island here we go all right let's see it The honey is a really, okay. The honey is a really nice taste there. You know how sometimes with like your bourbon barrels, like the bite is just so much. I think you were talking about it last week, but on some of, um, or someone else was saying about how they just can't get into those bourbon barrel ales because the bite and the sting oh, that was, from the. That was not me. It was not you. It was someone else. <laughs> that is the <laughs> antithesis of what my opinion is on, uh, on, on barrel age. Yeah. I am there very much. There we in, go. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. someone else, Tim. Maybe, maybe I have a, a shadow podcast and, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in the off weeks. No, I don't. It's um, the second one. Look, yeah. it's it's really good. I think that the honey probably goes best because you got gray and black teas, and those are going to be super bitter anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but I really, I really do like this. Okay. I really like this. Um, it's called the Kentucky you Fog Stout. It's aged in burn barrels. It's got uh, Earl Grey tea. That's the first tea I ever started drinking. Uh, after black pico tea with my grandmother um and honey and the honey is really fucking good now hmm. no booze whatsoever no discernible booze and i wonder if i had tried it in 2020 and then now like if i did a ladder if i could taste the difference you know what i mean mm -hmm. but i do think that it is quite good no okay. sediment at the bottom it's a couple months past expiration and now i'm like oh shit probably could have stayed there for another five or six and i think it would have been okay so i'm actually <laughs> gonna give this a i'm gonna give this a four three I was gonna ask, is it like um like almond milk, right? Or are some of those things are like drink within seven days and you're like, mm -hmm. what the hell in here could even go bad in seven days yeah. type of situation? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's funny. I um I missed out on a lot of the variants last year and the year before. Yeah. Um I spent most of my time every year i get the barley wine every year i get the stout i've already talked about it i try to have it every year around the same time because it's what i had when i proposed to my wife so it's a little sort of nod um but went a little crazy last year because they had the elijah craig 50 50 and then mm -hmm. they had the old forester 150 150th anniversary um barrel aged stout uh, I think I did the 50-50 right around when they came out last year, shortly after that. So we got that one under our belt. 
And I've had a couple of these bad boys floating around the house. In fact, uh, I was going to read some of the stuff off the carton and I left it in the kitchen. So I just grabbed, <laughs> an, I just grabbed another one off the shelf and I'll read this one instead. Because, uh, you know, your boy's got same. a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep the humility to your fucking self, Tim. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're very humble over here. Um, but no, so it's no, I'm obviously, it's no secret. I'm a big, uh, bourbon guy and old Forester, their entire line are some of my favorite, like everyday whiskeys you usually get. They have this 150th anniversary bottle that is almost impossible to get your hands on. And the secondary market is just outrageous. It's not quite like Van Winkle territory, but it is a lot. So, uh, I'll probably never get my hands on one. So this is probably the closest thing. Uh, you could get to it. Um, comes in one of those classic sort of, uh, what is it? Cardboard tins with the whole nice little write up on it. Uh, it's got a pretty cool, I actually like them. A lot of them are plain. This one, it kind of looks almost it's got like a nice little gold foil on it. Yeah. It's like something Trillium would do, right? Where it's got that, uh, not quite black and white, but it's got like a hand drawn. Um, I'm guessing this is the front of the, Goose Island fermentary. But, uh, yeah, I'm really impressed. The one that's coming out with this year, too, I think is Old Fitz, which is another really, really hard whiskey to get your hands on. So Interesting. Um, keep your eyes out for that, because I will definitely be trying to get it. But let's crack into this one and see what we got. Yeah, they, they do. I'm, I'm very fortunate. They do sell the uh, the Bourbon County at the Wegmans uh, down the road for me. But they keep all the stuff on Black Friday like behind the service counter. So yeah. you gotta you do got to go on uh, on Black Friday pretty early. Mm. So right off the bat, just the smell of it. I've said it before where I think, in my opinion, a lot of these bourbon-aged stouts and barley wines tend to take on some of the sweeter notes of the whiskey. I suspect given the age of this whiskey, this one's probably going to be quite a bit on the sweeter side. By the way, I got bottling dates for the little barrel program I was in for Barreled Souls. Oh, very and nice. I'm, go I'm going up um, in November to do the first sampling of the beer that's in there. You the mean base, we're going up. The base yeah. beer. Look at me. Yeah, look yeah. at me. I'll let you know. It's my bottles now. <laughs> and then uh, we'll adjunct it, close it up, and then in January, they'll knock it out, bottle them out, and then um, I think they do like a big release in February. So yeah. I'll have like 15, somewhere between 30 and 20 bottles, depending on what we adjunct it with. So, be on the lookout for that. But, all right. Back to this one. Oh, damn. So, <laughs> hold on. All right. So, small spoiler. I've had one of these before, back when it oh first came out. Oh, my God. Here we fucking go. But, I got to say, this sucker's been sitting for close to a year now. And it has gotten so much smoother and so much better just sitting in conditioning uh, in like, I, I have it in like a, like a temperature controlled space and it is fucking incredible. Um, so the stout comes through fine. It's got this nice sort of coffee bitter stout that you're used to in most of your big bodied stouts, but the booze on top of it gives it this sort of chocolatey, vanilla, hazelnut taste to it. There is no booze that you can taste in this in any capacity at all. This is 
Does it have the percentage on here? Mine is like 14, so I think yours is probably going to be somewhere around there. Doesn't even list it on here. That's when you know they're dangerous, when they don't put it on there. It does indicate that it develops in the bottle up to five years. Uh, I thought by law they had to put it on these things. God damn. Uh, it, it's literally not on here anywhere. But, yeah, you cannot taste it in the slightest. It is sweet. It's got that, that chocolate hazelnut is very forward. It kind of blends almost in like a, a caramel aftertaste. If we're not having any of those things in there, that is super impressive that it comes across that sweet. You can still taste that old Forester whiskey kind of on the bottom of it, but a lot of the higher the higher proof and higher ABB uh, whiskeys tend to have um, more spice and more flavor on the tail end of it, and all of that is coming out on here. This is... Damn, this is as close to a five I think we've had so far on here. Uh, I'm going to give it... Hold on, before I, before, I, before I blow my load and give it a five, let me give it one more. <laughs> family podcast. No, I'm just kidding. It's not a family podcast. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing negative to say about this beer. I could drink this whole thing. I'm, I'm going to give it a four, eight. Oh shit! Four <laughs> eight only because I, I mean, there's always going to be a better beer somewhere, you know. That's why you know you never give someone a a, a perfect five. I hate that. The, I should have. You're the fucking. You're the fucking worst. But goddamn, that is really really good. And like the longer it sits in the glass, the more like chocolate notes come out of it. And chocolate was not mm -hmm. used in this at all. It is just straight up stout. Aged in this 150-year-old, this 150th anniversary barrel. Now you got me saying 150-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Goose Island Bourbon County Reserve brand 150 is a once-in-a-lifetime expression of that 150-year bourbon journey that final blend of barrels offers beer and bourbon lovers another chance with a very special batch of barrels. Highlighted by one of the world's finest stouts. Yeah. Limited in quantities and boundless in flavor. Decades of bourbon brewing. Yep. I was just making sure they didn't hint anywhere in here that there was like a chocolate stout or anything. No, that's just straight up stout. God damn. Oh. That um that's up there with uh some of the you know, get your bingo cards ready. But the the barreled souls and the angry chairs, that's up there. I mean, I'll oh, yeah. never be able to get one of these again once I finish the other one that's in here. That's the big difference. It's like a one off. Angry chair is consistent every single time, but goddamn, that might be one of the better stouts I've ever had in my life. All right. Well, that's what's in our cups this week. And if you're looking to find them anywhere, you are uh, two years and uh, two months removed yeah. from when <laughs> when they release. But we are coming up uh, to the Thanksgiving time frame, and Black Friday is typically when they release. So, you know, yep. follow their social media and definitely, uh, you know, check out the. Uh, Check out the releases when they come in. Okay, let's. If you can, if you can get your hands on some old, some of the old Fitz bottles, uh, you reach out to me and we'll set something up. You fuck. What about me? Reach out to us. I mean, Sam, Sam doesn't. Sam doesn't like whiskeys. 
Okay. Don't you fucking tell me what I do and don't like, right? DM the Stats of Matter podcast handle on Instagram, and whomever sees it first <laughs> and answers is the one that's going to get it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck boy. So maybe you need to spend more time on the IG page or I'm going to get it. I'll even, I'll even take it a step further. Whoever wants to set us up with one, we'll get you on the podcast. A little guest spot. Why not? We'll talk about whatever you want. <laughs> oh geez that could be bad now that will be like joe rogan or some shit you know what i mean that would that would be best for us yeah. okay let's 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 uh let's get into picks here i'm gonna bury yeah. the lead right now you got five right all time i got three right all time you had a pretty good week last week not yeah. so good the week before but i did not do great uh either week so that is why i'm only at three the only picks i got right was from week five uh eagles cardinals uh, and then week six, the only pick I got right was Bengals Saints. You got Eagles Cardinals week five, and then week six, you got the Bills Chiefs and Giants Ravens. And I thought you were crazy for picking the Giants, but it mm. worked. So yeah, let's let let's let's talk about a couple of those games here. Um, we both picked Ravens Giants. We we're both in, on opposite sides of it. You were the correct side. I was not. Um, tell me why you were so confident to pick the Giants going into that game, and don't tell me Lamar Jackson was the reason why. So what am I supposed to do? Just not answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I've I've been watching the Giants like slowly piece it together little by little over the last couple weeks. And I mean, as much as we want to scoff, they're five and one on the season yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, it's just something in Baltimore feels off, like it does every year, right? Like they they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, who's now able to you know threaten you downfield just as much as he is with his legs but it's just it's a disconnect somewhere something is just not playing out the way it's supposed to and it's not just them it's across the league there's a lot of these weird upsets um but it's one of those where like going into the the giants have had a really good stretch um they're starting to piece together wins against some difficult teams uh it's I don't know. It was one of those that I thought Jones is kind of showing flashes of what some of the original success he had that got everyone excited about the Giants when they first drafted him. It kind of fell off a little bit at the end of last season. Not not that they were a terrible team, but it was just there's something there that was that was off. But I mean, they haven't had the weakest schedule, right? They beat they played the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Ravens so far this yeah. season. I mean, they had the Titans in Week One. Which you know you didn't know quite what you were gonna get. They only, they squeaked out a you know one a one point win. Um, they played the Bears and the um, and the Panthers in there as well. So you know those aren't overly difficult opponents, but still they've been showing up. He's been taking care of the ball really well. There isn't anything that I see that I would like be hesitant to pick against them. In fact, that. You know, spoiler alert, we'll talk about this in a bit, but I want to follow this trend and see what happens next week and have them, you know, they're going up against the Jaguars, so they likely can keep this trend going in the right direction. Um, but in terms of, like, this weekend and that game, it's there was just something about the Ravens that I don't have a lot of faith in. I mean, Lamar didn't look great, let's be honest. He was 17-32. to 32. He only had 210 yards. He had an interception. He had two fumbles. One of them they lost. So, I mean, it, it wasn't a game where he was taking care of the ball by any means. Some of his offensive line has just – some of his, his games this season, his, his 
offensive line has looked horrendous. They're not really protecting him a lot. I said this, you know, in the last two seasons that we've been doing this, you can't rely on him to do everything, and that's what they're doing right now, right? And every time there's some sort of gap in the ability to stop the pass rush or anything like that, they're just, oh, he'll find ways to get it out. It He doesn't have the offense around him to do things that Patrick Mahomes does where he can just dump it off. He's not. He doesn't have superstars that are getting open. He doesn't have the full tool set that someone like Mahomes does where he can do those like off-balance like flicks and these weird backyard plays. So if he's going to run the ball, he has to take care of it and he has to... Uh... They had this game within range of winning and he, again, ate it. He, he was under pressure the whole game. He got sacked twice. And he he ended up getting a strip right stumble. into the breadbasket at the end there. Yeah, so like it's... I mean, there's something about that team, and it's I feel like a broken record every season saying the same thing over and over, but there's something missing on this team, and I think it starts this season, I mean, before you could say offensive weapons and whatnot, but I think you're starting to see the offensive line year after year is, uh, I think, failing this team, and the reason it hasn't been exposed quite as much as it is now is because you have someone who can run like Lamar, so they have designed runs. That takes away, you know, a quarter's worth of plays just by designed carries for the quarterback. But because of his legs, anytime the pocket collapses, he's able to move out and do things. So it disguises some of the shortfalls for this O-line. And when you have games where your your receivers aren't getting open, it's all going to kind of come crumbling down. That's exactly what happened. It's... I mean, Daniel Jones didn't put up historic numbers. He went 19 to 27. He only had 173 yards, but he made every one of them count. He had two touchdowns on the day. He did have a fumble. He got sacked a couple more times because he's not as mobile. But all he had to do was outlast a team who was incapable of protecting their quarterback and relying too heavily on him being able to extend plays. And I think as long as a lead too, so you know what I mean. Like that's yeah. Wait, wait, sometimes when you when you let a team hang around like that, like especially the Giants, and I think I think they went into half like, you know, like single digits or like a score and a field goal or something like that. And I'm yeah. just like, oh boy, shit, they, they, something might happen here, you know? Like, and, any, and they happen, but yeah, and they were they were going downfield to win that game too before Lamar coughed up a, a, a late fumble, turned it back over, and then and it effectively yeah. ended the game. So they were threatening. I mean. Would we be having a different conversation if uh, if this had panned out the way that it did? Maybe not, only because it's it's just there wasn't there wasn't enough, right? They they had more first downs than the Giants did, yet they came out, you know, short once again. They're three on three. They've lost to some good teams. They lost this, you know, they've had some closer games than you would have liked for for the quality of of what Lamar is playing this year. I know early on we were talking like potential MVP conversations again, but I think he is he's removed himself from that conversation. They've lost they lost to the uh the Dolphins, they lost to the Bills and they've lost to the Giants. Now, the Bills and the and the Giants, you could say is part of this odd New York resurgence that we're seeing right now. One of the games I picked this week was uh uh, the Bucks and Steelers, but I did that as sort of like a last minute second guessing myself because I was actually going to pick the Jets over the Packers because 
same thing, relying too much on, you know, we, we won't go too much into it, but that's a, that's the same scenario where a team is relying too much on their quarterback to make things happen. And he doesn't have enough weapons around him. I know Cobb went out early in that game with an injury. So it's like you, you're, I thought. Yeah, so you're like down another uh you're you're down one of your only weapons on that team, but that's what happens. You see the Jets come in. If you if you had told me at any point in the last like 5 years that the Jets were going to beat a Packers team that still had their star quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, I would have, you know, taken the Packers in any bet possible. Uh, the Packers have cost me back-to-back weekends uh, <laughs> some very, very big parlays. So what have we learned? Uh, yeah, Aaron the Packers are trash. Rodgers is not your savior. Remember, wait, wait, yeah, I tried, I tried to make the case for Goat Talk when we first started this podcast, and you're like, nah, it's not even close. And you're you're over there on. Boat dock trying to fucking be Wolf of Wall Street with all these, you know, 83 leg parlays. And you're relying on <laughs> Mr. I do my own fucking research. I've been immunized because someone fucking sneezed Dude. on me, Rogers. And I just got, need to see him win a game. You, boss? I just see, I just need him to, I just needed him to win a game, though. To be fair, I said I thought he, his clip was going to come much faster than, uh, than some of the older, elder year players in the league. I don't know if it's necessarily a cliff. He's still able to throw the ball, but. Man, they looked horrendous this weekend. Um, so I almost went three for three, but I buckled and ended up uh, rotating for the the Bucks and Steelers because I thought I thought that was going to be a more interesting game. I thought it was going to be a and blowout. Thankfully, but... that's uh, that's what that's what kept you alive here. Yeah. Uh, since I only won one game, I'll, I'll briefly just uh, say something about the Eagles Cowboys. Um, I, I don't know if Dak plays that game if if the Cowboys come out and win, but I will say that the Eagles defense is legit uh the eagles definitely put some put some stuff together and and that that was that was pretty good especially in prime time but the only game that i actually got right was bengals saints hashtag let joy roar and for three quarters of that game i was like holy shit i'm gonna go oh for three like you know what i mean like because you know i already knew the ravens giants game was blown up and i was like i picked the cowboys because of dan quinn being the defensive coordinator you know former seattle seahawks dc and i was like Maybe, you know, Dak will be back. Maybe he won't. But I was like, I, I, I mean, the Eagles got to lose at some point. So I already lost that one, but I was I was content with it. But the Bengals were down bad. And then they happened to get this go-ahead score right towards the end there. Um, fuck it, Jamar Chase down there somewhere. Rides again, which I am completely okay with. Um, the Bengals actually had less rushing yards uh, and, and even less first downs. I didn't win the time of possession either. And Joey B got sacked quite a bit. So that offensive line, you're talking about offensive line play and how important that is. They're a new team. They're still gelling. They're still figuring some of this stuff out. That's okay. However, they're three and three. And this was a team who brought almost everyone back and thinks that they're a Super Bowl contender. I'm not really sure that's the case at this moment in time, but I do think they could probably go deep in the postseason. They got to figure this shit out. But it was very good, very good to see um, the Bengals get it back together. Um yeah, you know, all things considered, wasn't too bad. Let's uh, let's briefly touch on um, Bucks Steelers because I think that could have been a little more interesting than it ended up being. And then we will finish up recapping last week with uh, your correct Bills Chiefs pick. Yeah, uh, I don't. In what in watching the Bucks games, I can't quite pinpoint what it is. I know everyone's going to look and say, "Oh, it's Tom Brady." It's Tom Brady, he's old, he's, he's decrepit, he just can't see the game anymore. I just think this is a team that has not gelled. They, they, 
there was a lot of turnover in the offseason that a lot of people aren't discussing. They had some offensive line turnovers. They had some receiving core turnovers. You had um, Godwin and Evans who came back and Fournette, but you lost Gronkowski, who was one of their major weapons. Uh, so it's like a, even though you had some of the, the staples there, it's still like a, a different looking team than what it was before. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not going to put this on Brady and in, in, in I haven't seen in gameplay where I could clearly say, okay, this is clearly like just bad quarterbacking. Like he's making the throws. I mean, he had 243 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions in this game. So he didn't, it wasn't, an, it wasn't an ugly game. It was, I mean, he was doing what he needed to do, but We've said this before, and, and a lot of people kind of question it and give him grief because he, he gets emotional and worked up on the sidelines. The way I read that is if you have like a seasoned professional who is considered the greatest of all time in any sport. Allegedly. 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 But someone of that caliber losing their mind on the sidelines, you could equate some of it maybe to like the falling off or maybe, you know, whatever. The chances are. And you see the same thing when you see LeBron yelling at his sideline, when you saw Jordan losing his shit. It's because they know what is supposed to be going on, what is supposed to be happening, who is supposed to be doing what, and people aren't doing those things. He's not, I don't think he's snapping surface iPads because he's not making throws. I think there's a lot of disconnect between what's supposed to be happening. He's he's very used to super disciplined teams. And guys who go out and quote unquote do your fucking job, and I think there's a level of that like the amount of drops this year. I've, I haven't looked up to see what that percentage is, but the amount of drops that have gone on this year, the amount of uh, I mean, scoring, fantasy scoring has gone down as as actual scoring. So I'd have to I'd have to say you know, I'm not a researcher, but it, there's a, there's a good positive uh, causation there. You know, if you got a lot more <laughs> drops, you're not scoring points as much. So yeah, but I mean, obviously, like throws and can be off there's there's i don't want to say that it's strictly just route runners not doing their job i mean if you watch his game i'm not seeing fall off and skill set it just seems that there's a disconnect between him and his receivers and the fact that he doesn't have anybody who's able to run routes and be that big body inside that he had in Gronkowski, which is a huge, huge loss. Like he's always, his whole game plan has been having somebody who can run those routes and who they can beat. Yeah. So if it was Gronkowski or Edelman, I mean, Godwin can do it. Evans can do it to some capacity, but not to the same level of Gronkowski. So to transition out of that and not replace it with something even remotely similar um, like that's an entire portion of the game that's now missing from your playbook that was something you relied on pretty heavily. Like if you were to put anybody in there, like imagine if you got someone like a Kelsey, they'd be blowing everybody out again. Like it wouldn't even be close, but he yeah, doesn't, for sure. he doesn't have that under route runner. It's he's looking for guys like Evans who will play the middle, but they're not playing those short in routes and they're not big hulking guys that can take hits or or you know set blocks when they need to so there's there's a definite hole in that offense so you are relying on his accuracy his ability to make throws which is 
working to an extent. I mean, he had, I mean, he had like the longest on the day. He had like a 30-yard bomb that was like perfectly accurate. And it's it's still there. It's just there's something missing on the offensive side that hasn't been addressed. And I think it's too late in the season for them to really make any major changes unless they do some crazy midseason change. So it's it's one of those that like trade deadline is coming up. Christian McCaffrey is available, likely from the Panthers. So not that I would who, see that happening. Who are you gonna give up for that though? You're gonna give up uh Fournette for someone like that? I mean, McCaffrey's gonna take like a a Yeah, yeah, I would. You know, I would in a heartbeat. I would. But I mean, it's it, it's not only gonna be Fournette. You're gonna end up giving like Godwin or Evans and Fournette. It's not going to be in like a couple first round picks. You will basically be waging this season for your future. Swing right? for the fucking fences, man. You got you to do it. You can't, I mean, we see teams do that all the time and they just come up short all the time. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not going to say, I mean, Mitch Trubisky through nine completions for 144 <laughs> yards. So I think... Hey, hey, guess what? Hey, put some respect on that man's fucking name. That is Mitchell Jubisky. I am, uh, you know, 1-0 this week against uh, the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, no risky, no bisky. That's yeah, what, so uh, for anybody who didn't watch, Kenny Pickett this. went out with a concussion, so they had to bring in uh, Trubisky. The man completed nine passes out of his 12 attempts and had 144 yards, so... He was seeing things a little different. He had a QBR rating of 142.4. So, <laughs> guy was doing Proof some shit. Proof QBR is like kind of a bullshit inflated stat, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, he was he was doing some things when he came in. Obviously, that's not the standard. Otherwise, Pickett wouldn't have been in. But, in any event, I think until they fix that that under gap, that middle route gap, the, the guy who can either set blocks or take hits and still make those catches, I mean... Not to say that Godwin can't or Evans can't. They they for sure can, but not nearly in the same level as like an Edelman or a Gronkowski more recently that they had. So they got to find different ways to win. They got to improve the protection. That man is constantly, constantly under duress behind there. So there's definitely – I know they're plagued with injuries. I, I Yeah. I, I want to – I want to say they had like a handful of guys who were out this week. Also, like they're the same as everybody else. They've gotten bitten. They've gotten bit pretty bad with, oh my God. So here was the week six injury report. You ready for this? Mm. Sean Murphy Button, Bunting, yep. uh, Akeem Hicks, Logan yep. Ryan, Julio Jones, Giovanni Bernard, Mike Edwards, Cameron Brait, Jalen Drayden, Carlin Davis, uh, Carlton Davis, Levante David. Mike Evans, Russell Gage, William Golston, Chris Godwin, Carl Nassib, Rashard Perriman, and Donovan Smith. Like there is just yeah, that's that's like a third of the team, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think was the most interesting. Everyone, my, myself included, in the stats on our podcast, social platforms, you know, all either double tapped or maybe reposted some of the funniest memes where, you know, it was like Brady yelling at the, the offensive lineman on the sideline being like, I did not get divorced from Giselle. So you guys could fucking lose to, you know, Mitch Trubisky or whatever. But like that has no context, right? Because it's just Tom getting animated on the sideline. They released a clip. I think it was like inside the NFL or something like that of the audio. And then audio Brady is fucking admonishing his players that on his team because he's just saying, 
you guys are you're, you're capable of playing so much fucking better than you are right now, and we fucking suck. Like, get it together. But the in, the important thing I took away from that was he said, "We're not playing as good as you fucking can." He like, it's a weird New Englandy style of thing, right? It's a backhanded compliment. You can fucking play so much better. You suck right now, but I know you're so much more capable of this. And like for some people, they really respond well to that. Uh, and everyone else is like, "Oh, Tom's lost the team. Tom this, Tom that." It's like, dude. I mean, I think they're they're gonna go ahead and and you know fix some stuff. But uh, I I don't I genuinely don't think he's the type of I mean, and I could be wrong, right? I'm not an NFL player. Full disclosure, in case anybody was wondering, I have not <laughs> or have never been. Oh, you were you were a practice squad guy, like all the bachelor contestants. <laughs> I was I was never in the NFL. I was never associated with an NFL team, so I am speaking solely out of my asshole when I say this. But I think he is the caliber of player where, when he's giving that kind of feedback, it is more it's taken as as someone in a coaching perspective than it is somebody like a Baker Mayfield coming out and shitting all over everybody. Right? I don't think this is a scenario where. Someone's going to hear that and be like, who the fuck are you to tell me how to play? I'm a guy who's been in the league for 20 plus years. I have more Super Bowls than your favorite team combined. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I you know am what someone the fuck I'm doing. Just trust yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's why you hear players and coaches, you know, talk about it. Like he runs teams like he is one of the coaches that are there. And to come out and say, you guys can do better than this. You can play better than this. It's different than coming out and saying, you guys are fucking trash. How am I supposed to do this? Or, or I can't run and catch the ball at the same time. Like that kind of nonsense. It was right. You guys are capable of doing so much more than what we're doing right now. How do we get to that level? And again, he could be a total asshole, but we've been watching him for 20 years. Nobody's ever said anything like that. Everybody has You've said been that they... for 20 years. I've been watching him for 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, nah. well, yeah, that's because you're so, late, so, late so to the football flat. game, but yeah. <laughs> so I've been I've been watching him, and it's it's kind of consistent. You can see it in like the docu series that they had about him. Like everyone speaks in very high regard. If you listen to the NFL Top 100, don't even listen to a single fucking Patriots player. Listen to the NFL Top 100 list and see what guys have to say about Tom Brady, and it tells you everything you need to know about what he's look, how he's viewed. On the sidelines. No one's looking yeah, at definitely. that and thinking like, oh, God, he's such a prima donna and he's killing me and this is just being dramatic. No, he's telling you you're not doing your job because he knows what that job is supposed to look like and you're not you're not doing it. You're not doing yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, no, no one's no one's questioning his character, Rob. All right. But uh, losing to a backup backup on the, on the Steelers side at Heinz Field is. That's something else. But uh, OK, Dude, there's, there's a lot of that going uh, on in the league. Let's let's uh, no shit. <laughs> Yeah. No shit. Um, all right. Week six, we're going to finish up Bill's Chiefs here. You correctly called us. Now, you mm-hmm. didn't give me the whole 24-20 vision like um, Romo said during the game broadcast. But, I mean, you had to have known. I have to go back and check the picks from last year. But, like, this, the same thing happened last year, right? The Bills uh, beat the Chiefs in the regular season. Yeah. The difference this time, Doug Farrar of um, Sports Illustrated, uh, Touchdown Wire, he wrote a fantastic article about how Matt Milano and Vaughn Miller this year gave the Bills a defensive front um, that they hadn't put on tape all season, that the Chiefs had never seen, and that they deployed it. And essentially, if you know anything about football scheme, typically a team stays in one or two or maybe three concepts. But the Bills were in one concept that was split. 
not split vertically on the field, horizontally. Mm-hmm. So once I was playing man, once I was playing zone, that aided into tricking you know Mahomes. There was a spy that was Matt Milano. He was able to go ahead and jump a route that was designed for Sky Moore. Um, Should have gone to fucking Travis Kelsey. I don't know why I went to Sky Moore there, but that was just a genius thing. The Bills, the Bills, the Bills. We've talked mm-hmm. about them for a couple of years now. Um, this team is, for whatever reason, they sort of felt like a JV team that just was like whooping up on like a whole bunch of like sorry ass like NFL teams. Now I really do kind of feel like the the Bills are like the bully on the block now. Like they can they can duel you in shootouts. They mm-hmm. can go ahead and win low, low, like low scoring games. And when it comes down to it, the Bills can do things like you do, like how the Chiefs used to put something, you know, for a play out that we hadn't seen in the NFL since 1920. The Bills were like, ah, oh, fucking cute. We'll do the same thing to you. And we'll win the yep. game. You know, like I, I do have to say that they, for me right now, they are one of the clear favorites um, to make the postseason, go to the Super Bowl. And I think if they do go there, I I, I think they're, they're going to win um, because of the amount of talent and momentum and the fact that like they just play really smart and aggressive football. And usually it's one or the other. You play smart football and you play to win the game and you, you know, take the ball out of your quarterback's hands and you fucking play keep away or you play aggressive football. You get in a boat race and hopefully your team, you know, puts more punches on, on the other team. But Tim, you got to tell me like, what, what is it about this bills team that made you think like, yeah, I'm gonna take them over the chiefs. Uh, it's a couple things. I mean, just the eye test, right? Like, I think the for the foreseeable future, uh, this is the team to beat in all of the NFL. Um, I've been saying for the last two years that people are going to start figuring shit out when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and, and, and that puzzle. And while, while it's great, uh, all of these backyard circuits plays that he's making... He's making those because he has to, because he's under pressure, because he's in situations where the pocket is collapsed, nobody's open. So he has to make these sort of like weird, awkward angle throws. And when they work, it's amazing. Problem is you can't game plan off of being able to make those all the time because there's a reason they don't happen all the time. They're nearly impossible to execute. So if it's... (sighs) If, if that's how you're winning games, if that's how you are finding ways to to pull out wins, then it's a recipe for some trouble, for sure. Because a team like Buffalo is going to capitalize on those opportunities where they're stopping you and you're you're having to run with the ball and you're doing some of these weird things. You're throwing off back foots. You're, you're constantly under pressure. The Bills' defense is no joke. The difference between them and a lot of teams is their offense is equally or greater as a threat than the defense is. Uh, I mean, when you when you get Mahomes in trouble and he doesn't have these bailout plays, it becomes pretty obvious when when you're able to figure it out. He threw two picks in this game and he got sacked three times. So it what's that? Three times. I just yeah. did it a little quiet. Oh, Three times. Yeah. I was you like, thought yeah, I was on yeah. mute, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? what? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. He threw two interceptions. He got sacked three times, was flushed out of the pocket a ton, and they were able to contain him and prevent some of these plays. It's literally all it takes for someone like Patrick Mahomes. Basically, now now they now that they got rid of Hill, um, 
there's they don't have the same deep threat, so you can't just fling it and hope Hill gets underneath the ball, which he did almost every time. You basically have to isolate Kelsey, flush Mahomes out of the pocket, and then prevent him from doing one of these crazy like bailout plays. It 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 looks more complicated than it is when he is executing on some of these, but in reality, teams that have been able to do this and they've done it well have really exposed how bad this team can look. Now, not this isn't to say that they looked bad this weekend. It was a close game. Uh, it it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a bad game by any means by Mahomes, who finished with 338 yards and and two touchdowns. Like it, he he did fine in the game, but it's not it doesn't have the same blowout potential that it does with some of these other ones. If you prevent him from making some of these, right? We saw we saw it with New England. Now you can make an argument that. Uh, there was injuries on the Kansas City side, and it was the Pats taking advantage of it. But really what it was, was the Pats isolating Mahomes so that he couldn't make any of these circus plays, and then trusting their defense to to actually to defend the, the player. And that's exactly what the Bills did this weekend, uh, and had the same level of success. I mean, the numbers across, they were almost identical. Mahomes and Allen. Uh, uh, Allen was 27 of 40. Mahomes was 25 of 40. Allen was 329 yards and three touchdowns. Mahomes is 338 yards and two touchdowns. So the difference being one through two picks, one didn't. So yeah, it's it's one of those where like Mahomes isn't this weird fluke anymore, right? And this happens, in my opinion, every couple of years you see it. Right, like we saw it with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and that really dominant pocket pocket passer, and then you saw the transition to like the Donovan McNabs, and you saw those guys where the 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 big thing was a mobile quarterback, and then it kind of transitioned back to pocket passers for a little bit because it when you're mobile all the time, you're injury prone, and then the younger generation came in with Mahomes and everybody after that, where now it's all, everybody's big on the mobile quarterbacks, and like, once you figure it out, and I've said this over and over and over, once you figure out how to isolate a mobile quarterback, and if we start looking and taking stock of some of these guys, like, let's let's name a couple right now. You got Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, who leapt over somebody who was like almost standing up, so he had to jump yeah. like seventeen feet over them. Um, <laughs> since Josh Allen is still kind of like new to the equation, we'll say, uh, like these guys are kind of getting figured out. Teams are figuring out how to beat Lamar. Teams are figuring out how to beat Patrick. Joe Burrow hasn't had the same success as the first. The first season he came in, and it's, I don't know, it, it. everyone thought that eventually the mobile quarterback was really the only solution. That's the only way you're going to win games because you need to be able to do that. But after like a season or two, these guys are getting figured out. People are starting to understand what this looks like. And not that Mahomes is a one-trick pony. He's not. He has. He's a Swiss Army knife. But it's, I mean... If you basic that, if you break it down to like simplistic football, it's pretty easy. Collapse the edges. Trust your defense. Put put good defenders on Kelsey. It's it's you can play one on one against every other receiver on that team. Double team Kelsey. 
Platt's you got to be really ridges. careful here because I feel like if you just start telling defenses how to beat Patrick Mahomes, then you're going to get a job offer to be a defensive quality assistant somewhere. And the you know the Sasser Matter podcast uh, listeners really can't uh, we, we we cannot deal uh, if you were to make the jump to the big league. So you you keep those fucking good ideas to yourself, sir. But well, clearly you, clearly they're not my ideas because teams are starting to do it because we're looking at a a Kansas City team that's uh, four and two now and. Yeah, but we're talking about yeah. we're talking like they're four or two. We're talking about them like as if they're like two and four. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah, that bad. No, but I think there's signs of like the sh- the ship doesn't have holes in it, but it's not exactly as sound as it once was. They've they've had blowout wins, of course. Um, they only beat the Chargers by three points. They lost the Colts. Um, they did beat the Buccaneers by ten points. They only beat the Raiders by one point. And mm-hmm. they lost to the Bills. So several of these games could have gone. I mean, the, yeah. the the Chargers were a field goal away from tying it. I mean, it's. I, I'm just saying. I think teams are piecing it together little by little. And as as Mahomes make these superstars look good, they're going to go to other teams to make more money, and oh, yeah, he's going to lose sure. weapons. It's he's a he's he's a victim of his own success. I think in some cases. Well, I mean, we'll have to see how that ends up working out, but. Uh... All right. Uh, as I said, you're in the lead, picks wise. Five yeah. correct. Your boy, only three correct. Let's move on into week seven here. Um, I picked Chiefs and 49ers. You're, you're doing a lot of boohooing about uh, Patrick Mahomes. I do feel like, though, the 49ers defense is legit, uh, but not as legit as the Bills defense. So I think this is pretty good. I think Mahomes will be a lot better. I do think the Chiefs win and get a, uh, you know, a nice bounce back game uh, in week seven. One of your games, fine, sir. Uh, real quick, I'm not shitting on Mahomes. Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I just think so teams you're have on. figured it's, it's right it out. There. Just, just right, go well, back and listen. listen. Listen to the tape upon right, further review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got Giants Jaguars uh, mostly because I want to. I want to see them have this continued success over a couple weeks. You're going to come out and you're going to be the team. Like Kansas City, I expect you to come out and beat a team like the Jaguars. This should be a pretty easy win, but you know, if they come out and they they botch this one, it's kind of make you kind of second guess everything, right? Like the yeah. the the Jaguars haven't been a great team. They put up twenty plus points in all but one game that they've played in, so they're a they're a sneaky threat if you get caught sleeping. Um, and I think they are kind of on the the other side of their bad season. I mean, they had the atrocious game against the the Texans where it finished thirteen to six. But otherwise, they are capable of putting up points. And if you sleep on them, you could find yourself on the other side of a loss. So, so this is like a, you're saying this is like the first trap game you've picked all season. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily call this one a trap game because I would pick if 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 I did, I would have picked the Jaguars for it. But I think this is one of those where like, if you come off, you're overconfident and you're not game planning for this, you could fuck around and, and, and find yourself on the, on the wrong side. So you, have you seen the, uh, the Instagram reel that's going around uh, <laughs> the it's, graph. It's that professor it with the <laughs> yeah. graph and it was like, on one axis, we got fuck around. And the other one you find out. And as you know, the more you fuck around, the more you find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how he scientifically breaks it down. Oh, it's like, so uh, great. years ago they had the, the hot versus crazy scale, which we won't get scale. into. Yep. Yep. Uh, we won't get into here cause it's 2022 and we're not trying to get canceled, but also funny skit. Uh, if you have a good sense of humor. 
Mm-hmm. And you haven't seen it, but it is. Okay. Uh Cowboys Lions for my second pick here. Dakota Prescott. <clears throat> Mr. Dak himself is supposed to be back. The Dak is back. Um, he could have played Sunday night's game. He said his grip was an A, but he needs it to be an A plus. Uh, he also has a fucking steel plate and seven screws in his throwing hand on his thumb. So no, Dak, maybe you weren't good enough to come back last week. Uh, but I appreciate you trying. I don't know if it would have been any good. Uh, but this is a good this is a good game, right? Against the Lions. Now, the Lions can put up a lot of points. So if Dak comes back, knocks the rust off, and throws it 60 times, and five touchdowns happen, and Zeke eats, then this is good. The Cowboys can sort of get some stuff around. A lot of trash has been talked about the Cowboys this year, but all things considered, Mike McCarthy with this squad this year has seemed to put together a lot of it. So I think that the team could be finally gelling. I think this is going to be a win that they're going to have to fight for. It's going to be scrappy because the Lions are a scrappy team. But I do think ultimately uh, Dakota Prescott plays and the Cowboys come away with the dub. I, I think if there were any potential controversies in quarterback in this position, it's not this, Cooper Rush and fucking Dakota Prescott. Get out of here. I, 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 the dude has only thrown three picks all season. How many times last season did I say Dak was going to be good for an interception or something along those lines? Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you can, you can shit on all you want, but you can't argue with the actual success of the Cowboys. Like, how can you. How can you argue that? They beat, uh, let's see, they beat the Bengals, your team. They beat the Giants. They beat the Rams. They beat the Commanders. Uh, <clears throat> their their only major loss, they lost. Rams is a good win with fucking Cooper Rush. The Rams is a good win, dude. Like that is a Super Bowl champion of last year. The Rams is a they good have. win. Like, that's that's you know, what I'm saying. They've lost. Oh they lost. Ga- well, who who was the game one? This game. So hey, who was who was? You're, you're totally gone. Who was the game one starter? Well, it was Dak. Okay, they lost to the Bucks. Yeah, it's the fucking Bucks. We just talked about the, the Bucks, Bucks losing. Last... No, they lost to the Bucks last year, week one too. And it, it was a different out. team. It was a different uh, team. They lost. Yeah. They lost nineteen to three against right. the Bucks. Yeah, so no, that's no. not exactly a great outing. Anyway, <laughs> their only other loss came against the Eagles, which, in my opinion, is one of the more favorable Super Bowl teams of this season. So. Otherwise, they had four very good, very complete wins. And this one, you just had a Phillies defense, which is just the Monstars. They're just playing their ass off, who happened to, manage, happened to get the only interceptions this man has thrown all season. If that comes back and they string together like back-to-back losses after this game, do you go back to rush? No. Because you paid Dak the money. It's the same reason sure. why you're like, oh, is Tony, is Tony Pollard going to be the back of, of the Dallas Cowboys future? No, it's going to be fucking Zeke Elliott because he got paid $96 million. He's going to get the majority of the cracks. And Tony Pollard's going to get the cracks that count. Right? That's I mean, we, we yeah. said that, but we've seen this story play out with a one yeah, maybe, Thomas Brady maybe, who came in for a Drew Bledsoe who was under a contract. Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe no, metaphor, dude. That's the, no, but that's the only high profile highly paid player who went out on injury and then lost his starting Dakota position Prescott is the same level of uh, uh no i'm saying jerry jones is, i'm saying jerry Drew jones Bledsoe. is a businessman what i'm saying is jerry jones could be looking at what's going on and being like oh shit we've had a winning record since dak left obviously but he but he he also already went on record and said that Dak's the Dak's the starting quarterback when he's back so no my but, question was if he comes back and he loses like two games do you go back to rush no 
No. No, you also picked this game, Tim. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you get this through a long term contract. I mean, I'm going, I'm going, I mean, I'm going Cowboys over the Lions. I mean, I'm not an idiot. So, (laughs) okay. I just want to check because if Cooper Rush played for the fucking Lions in, in start of Jared Goff, your argument makes a hell of a lot more sense. It doesn't make sense for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, if, if if Zeke comes back and they're successful, I imagine Cooper goes to another team uh, Good for him. and I maybe earns so. a starting potential. There's, there's, so. This is a conversation for the next podcast, but we should make some time for it. I mean, where Andy all Dalton of these is starting in, these, in New Orleans, right? Yeah, if we take all these backups, guys who have bounced around teams or are rookies like you have in New England, like all of these quarterbacks who are having success, like there are a handful of them that are going to find themselves in starting roles next year on teams that have struggled. Like possibly, I could see the Panthers moving on one of these guys because Sam Donald's not it, Baker Mayfield's not it. Maybe Zappy's the guy who fills in, uh, or maybe I think, Cooper. No, I think didn't you guys draft him this year though? So like he he's going to be there for for a bit. He's he's on a deal. So yeah, but I mean like. Money, money talks, and things can happen. And yeah, and, well, let, but let's that, that was just that was just that was just an example. It's something we'll make let, for, let's for next these week. Picks. Let's finish these picks, and we'll talk about a little QB controversy. controversy all right, all right. Go ahead, as, as go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so I, last pick of this week: Raiders, Texans. I'm going Raiders. They're fucking one and four, and the Texans are one three and one. But um, the Raiders are not going to make the postseason. They have dropped a lot of winnable games. Um, they are gelling. They are trying to get together. There is not going to be a suspension looming for Devontae Adams necessarily until um, the legal system does what it wants to do because of the fact that Devontae Adams pushed uh, a boom mic or a hydro, I don't even know what you call it, some some sort of boom mic operator that came across the field after uh, Devontae left the game. When they lost, um, he ran into this guy, gave him a shove. The guy went tumbling to the ground. Yeah. Whatever it was a douchebag douche mood. I okay. I'm glad you said that. So we didn't have a little Devonte gate here. No, um, the push off, and I don't care what angle you show me the video from. The push off, where he like he literally like fully like I'm gonna take the refs here. The ref stance. If you fucking fully extend, that's pass interference. Okay. If you fully extend the arms, pass interference. He fully gave that dude a two handed oh, shove. Anybody went into locker room and said. Then he went into locker room and said, "Oh, I don't know if y'all saw it. That guy ran into me." Watch the fucking tape, Devontae. That dude didn't run into you. Dude is literally dude sitting there holding the a pole like job. this. Yeah, dude is dude, literally I standing could... there like this. Yeah, fuck no. And then he yeah. and then he went out and apologized to the guy. And everyone's like, oh, it's a stand-up move. It's a stand-up guy. How about not pushing the... How many times? No, did you see, though? Did you see oh. he apologized? He goes, I just want to apologize to the guy. But y'all saw that he ran into me, right? It was like, uh, I'm sorry, but. You know what I mean? Dude, it was not Everybody was not listening to this call has been running full sprint through a crowd and has been able to move and dodge around people like it's nobody. T- I'm from Boston and getting on the train hyperbolic every day. Mike, that's what it was. It's the hyperbolic Mike yeah. guy. I'm from Boston and running Are onto you? a subway and getting around people is pretty fucking easy. You can literally, like, I'm not even an athlete, and I can, like, slide and move and get around people and get where I need to go without shoving everybody who gets in front of me. It's it's such a bullshit claim. Anybody defending it, he should have just owned up. I would have appreciated it more if he's like, listen, that was a shitbag move. Uh, It was totally uncalled for. I was in a bad move. I, you know, I really, really apologize to that guy. I definitely shouldn't have taken out on him. I would have 
a thousand percent supported that i still thought it's scumbag move you have a dude who's out there the only reason scumbag, you're, i don't know but the only but reason you're move. paid all the fucking money that you're paid is because of the film and audio staff that's out there to put your bullshit on the television right without those guys you're just playing in front of a crowd buying tickets you might as well be playing college football for a team that's not broadcasted like it's just it's not it's no no that's that's the reality of it like you get paid because people can watch and listen to what you are doing regardless of what network or where they're affiliated with they're putting your face and your audio in the sound of your game in the public's eye and that's why you're getting paid. So to treat those people poorly speaks more of your character than any other move that you could do, right? And the fact that you did it in plain sight and then tried to make excuses is even worse. Yeah, like, I, 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 on the Devonte Gate, I, I just, I hope it settles, it. and I hope he pays the dude a shit ton of money. He can go back to work. We can all move on. But yeah, like you need to learn. I that, mean, yeah, it's like treating think, it's like treating it. the janitor poorly, right? Like who does that? Yeah, who does that? Shouldn't. Yeah, I agree. Back to the Raiders team as a whole, yeah, though. Sorry. Uh, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't it, bode well if they don't start fucking stringing together some wins. And I know that it's it's not an AFC West opponent, but it is a uh, conference opponent. So they do need to kind of get right there, straight the schedule, and you start stacking some wins. The Raiders have too much talent on that team to be at one and four where they are. So I do think they need to put some shit together this week. Thankfully, the Texans uh, are coming to town, and, and I think they're going to go ahead and win. Give me your uh, your last pick here. Oh, Homer, you're going Patriots versus Bears. I wonder. <laughs> you're a Justin Fields fan, aren't you? I'm going uh, I'm going Patriots-Bears, not because uh, it's New England, even though I'm wearing a New England hat currently. I've, yeah. I've tried steering away from New England as a whole for some of my picks. By the way, if the picks math don't make sense because we're in week seven and we're saying we're like five. And well, it's we're, because we're really we missed. fucking bad. We missed a couple <laughs> and we've been, we've been off uh, a few weeks and we're trying to be honest here. Um, what we're going to start doing is on weeks we can't record. If that happens, we'll make sure we get our picks in. And, and Sam, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come up with like a template that we can use and post to IG so that you yeah. know, we got receipts. Um, but anyway, I'm going Patriots-Bears because this could be the week that Mac Jones comes back. And I'm curious to see if this team continues to move forward in the direction they're in because right now they look like a legit team. Like their defense is once again incredible. Year after year, the defense has been the team that's kind of kept them in a lot of these competitions, and this is clearly no different. Um, so, I th- I mean, for me, it I do think it's going to be New England in this case, mostly because the, the defense... Bears lost to the fucking Commanders in one of the most <laughs> atrocious fucking Thursday night games oh we saw since the last God. Thursday night game, which was fucking atrocious. It's the Dude. last Thursday night game, which was not atrocious. These <sighs> these games have been horrendous, but New England's back at 500. The Browns, I know they're not the biggest benchmark, but it was a pretty good win. And you got to wonder if it's the team finding their footing or if it really is a change in the quarterback position. I know we're going to this might okay. be a seg. This might yeah, be a so segue a second. So yeah, let's, let's let's go ahead and talk about this little quarterback controversy controversy because you're all like, ooh, you know, Dak comes back. There's two losing. What what do you do? Okay, yep. Mac may get you know ankle surgery, may not. There's a whole bunch of stuff come up. You know, this week about how the Patriots wanted him to get surgery. Mac didn't want to do it. There's you know trouble in paradise. But like Zappy wins, Zappy loses two games. What are you doing? Are you putting Mac back in? Are you putting Mac in until he loses two games and putting Zappy back in? I don't think I don't think Bill's going to do that. But what what, what do you think they're going to do? 
I think in this particular you're obviously picking the Patriots here, so so we don't need to talk about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's New England mostly because it's it's the New England defense, and it's I mean, it it's not even anything close to a trap game. This should be an easy win. Um, (laughs) but it the interesting part about the 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 Jones controversy is I think a lot of it's being manufactured, right? Like he has been on the sidelines. He's been coaching. He's been in like giving advice. He was voted by his team to be a captain. So everything we're seeing is contrary to what one reporter was. I I don't recall exactly which, which station they were from, but it was one reporter saying that like the team has gone sideways and there's some controversy or some other bullshit and everybody in the comments and everybody who's been mentioning it have been chiming in being like what the hell are you talking about like he's been on the sidelines fully supporting zappy this entire time uh he's come out and said like his role right now is to support and provide guidance his team in his first year was so comfortable with him. They voted him as a captain. So to say he lost the team, I think it's just nonsense. I think it's, I think this happens anytime a quarterback is. Yeah. I think this happens anytime someone comes in, like we were talking about with the Cowboys and someone has some success. Cause let's be honest, like Zappi has looked phenomenal. He hasn't quite looked to the same level, in my opinion, as some of the like minutia of Mac Jones. But I think, I think the dude's got a long career in the NFL. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked if he finds himself um, as a like closer backup on another team. And I say closer backup, meaning like on a team with a quarterback who has a short leash, and you might want to bring him in and, and see what he can do because it's like he's more than capable. He has shown that already. But I think Mac Jones showed us enough last year coming into a new system coming into preseason this year and seeing all of the improvements that he made. But I think there was too much draft capital spent on Jones to move this quickly on to a backup that's not really tested. We don't have a lot of tape on him. There's not a lot that you can see. The difference between Dak and Cooper and Mac and Zappi is that Cooper's been around the league for a long time. He's been in. He's played a lot of games. You kind of see what you get. I don't want to say this is a fluke, but this could be a scenario where this is like the perfect fit for him and the team around him really supports what his strengths are. Zappi's new. I mean, you had Mac Jones and then Zappi was drafted this year. And it's like, there's not enough there. It could be simply a case of not having enough tape on a guy to really know what his strengths and weaknesses are. So you're getting in, you're gun shy. You're trying to, you know, put a young quarterback under pressure. You're not really sticking to what your traditional game plan would be against a veteran quarterback. And he's he's good enough and, and poised enough to kind of take advantage of some of those things. But he has looked. You can't argue with the numbers. The dude has looked really good. Decent. He was 24 of 34 with 309 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions against the Jacoby Brissett. Smart yeah. football. You had a Jacoby Brissett, a Brissett situation where he threw two interceptions, had two fumbles in the same game, who was also a former New England quarterback. So, like, he knows exactly what he's going against. So, theoretically, he should be more prepared to fucking light that team up. There was, a, there was a point where I was disappointed that we let Jacoby go. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think Jacoby Brissett is a, a terrible quarterback. I think that team just sucks as a whole. Like, that team is in trouble. He's been able to find some success, you know, going into this game. You know, their, their records weren't all that 
far off. The Browns are two and four, New England's three and three. So there's not a lot of difference between the two of them. But in any event, Zappy has looked great. Like there's no beating around the bush. He's looked like a very good quarterback, not someone who suddenly came in off the bench and was filling in as a backup position. He looks like a quarterback who is better than like. Trevor Lawrence. Other teams. Yeah, you know what I mean? He like, looks better than Trevor Lawrence. He looks, he looks, he looks better than good. Baker he Mayfield. He looked better than Jacoby Brissett. He looked better than both Pinkett and Trubisky. Like, you could work your way down. I mean, unfortunately, he looks better than Matt Ryan. And Jay, it's like it's married to Will Smith. Kenneth Pickett. Pickett. Is Sorry. Pickett. That's not, no, not Pinkett. I keep saying Pinkett. I keep putting the N in there. Pickett. <laughs> But, like, you could work your way down the list. Like, teams yeah. that could use someone like Zappy, again, if they had long terms, if if he could continue this trend. The Denver Broncos? Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Let, let, let's, let's, do a, let's do a little quick segue before we end the Stats of America podcast episode by talking a little postseason baseball. Yeah. We've been talking NFL with y'all for a long time here. Listen, listen, Linda, listen. The amount of Baker Mayfield quarterback commercials that we saw, we talked about it last year, it's the curse. And now Russell Wilson got the let's ride curse, um, had, had the partially torn lat in his throwing shoulder. Now he has a hamstring injury. He might miss a game this week. The, the team has just not been good. Tim, I had this weird superstition with the Seahawks in which when I watch them, they don't do good. So I'll start watching them. They'll start losing. I'll turn the game off. They win the game. I don't have empirical evidence to back this up, but it's what I've been doing. I love the Seahawks as a team. And I love the Seahawks even when Richard Sherman went to go play for the 49ers, even when Earl went to go play for the Ravens, even when all my favorite players from the early you know, 2010 teams retired. What Russ is actively doing to his legacy right now is not good. Um, all these fucking subway commercials. And I and I get that you, you film Whoa. those things and then they just happen to go out like, you don't really choose that, right? But on the Richard Sherman podcast last week, Sherman had Marshawn on there, and they were going to talk about the the play of Super Bowl Forty Nine and everything. And you know, Marshawn was like, "I'm going to reach out to him. Like that's that's my dog. Like I'm going to check in with him." And then Sherman said something that was very very introspective. He was like, "Yeah, you got to text his agent. You can't text him." And then when they asked Russ about it a couple of days later, he said, "No, I heard I heard about that. That stuff they said, but no, I haven't talked to Marshawn yet." I heard about that shit. No, like sometimes quarterbacks are a little bit too fucking prima donna for their own good. And we all want to hate Tom Brady for being a prima donna, but you cannot deny that when Tom Brady does the prima donna shit, like go to the fucking Met Gala, Tom Brady shows up and grinds film for 18 motherfucking hours a day and does whatever he needs to do. And I, maybe gets a divorce because of his love for football. You know what I mean? Like not, not, they're, not they're, that they're, that's not that's not condoning that behavior. It's I'm just hyperbole, saying. right? <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like when, when it comes to love of the game, Russ seems to be doing a lot more talking right now than than producing. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't wish him to get you know injured or anything like that. But like for a guy so concerned with his fucking legacy, there are coaches in the NFL like uh, Mike Tomlin when he deal with the killer bees with Ben and. Uh, and Le'Veon and fucking Antonio Brown. Like, they give that dude coach of the year. Like, the more time that Russ spends away from Seattle, the more I truly fucking appreciate Peter Clay Carroll and John Snyder. I just do. I just do. And I just really feel like the, the Denver has a quarterback controversy because their own quarterback and the team are at odds with who they want to be. 
the team is like, oh yeah, shit, let's do this. And Russell's like, yeah, let's, let's ride, let's cook, let's do all this stuff. And like, it looks good for about three quarters. Then the defense figures out what they're doing. Boom. They have no zag. It's the same shit that happened in Seattle. And I know because I watched the shit for 10 years, almost as long as I've been watching football, I've been watching Seattle football with Russell fucking Wilson. So I, I feel like I'm a little bit like educated to speak on this and it's just so tough to see that Denver team because the defense keeps them in the fucking games. And the other night, uh, last night, actually, no, two nights ago, two nights ago, I don't fucking know anymore. Uh, the Monday night game, you know, this game goes to OT. You know, the defense got you there. 16-16. Russ go win the game. Russ go win the game. Russ go win the game. And all the magic that, that used to be there is just not there anymore. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's some other stuff. Maybe it's trying to try too fucking hard. But like, the team has a bit of dysfunction now. And you can't put it all on the head coach. It doesn't matter that Nathaniel Hackett's first year uh, is with Russell Wilson. When maybe he was rumored to want to work with Aaron Rodgers, which Aaron Rodgers, retrospect, going to fucking Denver would have been killer. I'm sure this team would be 5-1 and one right now. But in hindsight, you play to win the game. You play as a team. And Russ, for whatever reason, there is too many screenshots. Too many screenshots of him just like not seeing the open guy. Just all the trends and all the shit that happened in Seattle for a long time that as a Seattle fan, I looked in the mirror and said, nope, 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 nope. Russ is good. You can't move on from us. Now I see it in a different light, and I'm like, oh, shit. Fucking Pete Carroll was right. John Snyder was right. And I always feel bad for Denver fans because, like, Russ is going to right the ship. He's going to be fine. But this is a dude that they're tied to until 2026. And, like, that's a lot of fucking money to pay to a dude that there's this many issues this early in the season. And I, I remember five, six, seven episodes ago, being like, oh, all the buzz out of camp. They're talking about audibles. They both talk about how much they love Star Wars, all shit. I was like, yeah, fucking watch out. Broncos, let's ride. And now I'm just like, not only am I not watching Seattle games when they're on, even though I have Sunday ticket because I don't want to jinx the team. I'm like following on Yahoo Sports. I'm like really excited yeah. about it. But I'm like watching other games. And like, if I come across the Broncos game, I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to get because I've seen this shit for 10 years. So I don't know. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I'm, as much as I would love nothing more than than to just point the finger at, at Russell Wilson, which a large portion of the finger pointing goes to Russell Wilson, I think there's got to be a level of consideration we take into account when we look at what his team looks like. They mm -hmm. spent so much on Wilson yeah. and, and Latavius Murray and making sure Melvin Gordon stayed on the team. That that's essentially it. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the receiving core from the last game. And raise your hand every time you've heard one of these guys and thought, oh, this guy's a superstar. So you have Jerry Judy, Greg Dolchich, KJ Hamler, Eric Tomlinson, Corlin Sutton. <laughs> superstar? No. Sam has raised you, his hand you said, three you said times. You heard of them. No, I said you've heard of these guys and thought to yourself, this is a superstar. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam has raised his hand three times so far. Out of the five uh, players, come on now. Kendall Hinton, Andrew Beck, and Montreal Washington. That's his current receiving core. So, like, there is a level of this team structure that is also poor, and it's just not built well for any quarterback in this situation. But, yes, in my opinion, one of the most hateable things about Russell Wilson is just how insufferable he is because he's just – the corniest of corny. And at some point you have to ask yourself, is he doing this 
as a branding thing and he's just trying to stay on brand because it's all i can think of when you see like oh ooh, yeah you're dangerous it's the most yeah, dangerous the thing you've ever was, done oh the, the first one was painful the second one was worse did you see julian edelman's response to that by the way it was instagram i'll send it to you it's fucking yeah, hilarious i did see that yeah that was great oh my god uh or like the denver let's ride like Broncos country or whatever, whatever he was trying to get trademarked. It was just everything he does is like he's on the sideline and he's like yelling at people like it's a PB football game, which whatever it is what it is. But the constant posting of like, you know, religious undertones to adversity for 10 years. I I know like those statuses. And I've been saying the same thing when he was. I mean, I, I have thought that man was corny, like from his inception on the Seahawks. It's just getting exposed now because he's not having the gameplay to back it up. So Right. I don't know, man. I uh I I think if this continues down the path, they they have two choices. They they add a few folks. They add a few folks to the roster and see if maybe it's a potential gap in ability in the supporting side of things. Or the man's about to be relegated to backup territory which would just completely destroy his... And I'm going to give you homework for the next podcast because I'm curious. I want you to actually look at his numbers over the last 10 seasons or however long and see how they actually stack up and where he might rank. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that because Seahawks Twitter is fucking amazing. Shout out Ben Ben Baldwin, who works for uh, PFF. Russ Stats. Down, 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 down. For how long? So, oh, like two, three years now, which is a big reason, I think, where, why a lot of Seahawks Twitter and now the sports writer Illuminati believe that, like, that's why Seattle moved on. They didn't want to pay him $50 million a year because they didn't think the play was consummate. I did that's say every time we picked, every time we talked Seattle, I, know I said he's good for a pick I fucking or a turnover know, Tim, but and but usually when, in a game-changing situation. And how many times when, did that come to fruition? Uh, when well, quite a bit, but when you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, okay, when you're 12, you still give a fuck about those things. It just happens. It just is what it is. I get Look, it. We don't you need to spend too much time. I got, I got, I got the New England blinders on. I understand. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you got seven rings to fucking blind your. Although face. I did Seattle say, one. Whoa, actually, three actually, you know, it's funny. Is uh, this is my comeuppance because do you remember what I said when we first started this podcast and I alluded to it a little bit in our second season? Is that as a New England fan, I am ready. For some losing seasons, and I am fucking ready. I am so ready, you and I'm here for this. Fucking the team, you guys are gonna win more games. Like, <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm right. ready for that All reset right. to All see right. what it's like to root every single week. Like the Red Sox right. are are doing me justice. This is great. Let's get oh, all boy. the bandwagoners. Man, wagoners have moved off of us, and now they're on to uh, Philly. Apparently, like everybody is a diehard Philadelphia fan, and they've been lifelong fans their whole life, and their brothers. <laughs> That's, uncle's that's, neighbor's that's, sister once knew a, Donovan McNabb, really so they've been fans really for. <laughs> <laughs> let's just talk about this. We're gonna round. We're gonna round out this episode. We'll go quick. We'll get this we've out been, of the way. Yeah, we've been going long in the tooth here. Um, since you obviously want to talk about the the Phillies uh, pods series, yeah, let's go ahead and just we'll briefly look. I'm just gonna put some sports karma out there in the world. As a Red Sox fan, it pains me to say this, but um, I am sending thoughts, prayers, good healing energy. Uh, crystals, fucking sage, whatever you want to call it, good vibes to the fucking 
New York Yankees to go ahead and just fucking beat the Astros. I cannot fucking deal with another Astros World Series appearance or win. I can't do it. So fucking avenge your fucking ACLS loss from a couple years ago where fucking Altuve may or may not have had a buzzer. Exercise those demons, okay? Just fucking win. And just if you if you beat the Astros, win the series, and we'll give you this one scot-free to the 90,000 other fucking trophies you got up there in fucking Yankee Stadium. I don't give a shit. I'm okay with you winning this year. But just not the Astros. Anyone but the Astros this year. Hashtag anyone but the Astros. Yeah, I agree. Uh, shout out to D-Nato, my brother-in-law. Him and I see eye to eye on this series where the Astros on a very, very, very short list of teams I would like to see win less than the Yankees. Yeah. Um, him, my wife's whole family, they're all Yankees fans. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Everyone on that team is a bunch of whining, self-indulgent bitches. Even even when they've left and gone to other teams, they're still somehow insufferable. Yeah, and because it's you probably have to learn how to read pitches in other fucking teams. You have you to learn to how to actually when you play. Go to Houston. Yeah, I know. Um, so yes, I will be rooting for the Yankees um, this series. I actually think they're playing well enough that they're going to take this series. Uh, it'll probably go. I think it'll go with a full seven, if I'm being honest. It's going to come down to like a little bit of a nail-biter at game seven, but I do think the Yankees are going to win this. I have a little trouble with the Padres and Phillies. I have no allegiance to either team. Um, I'm, you know, I, I grew, spent most of my growing up years in California, so I feel like there's some sort of tie there, but I've never been to a Padres game. It's just by proximity. I was more of a Dodgers fan, but they got bounced. I am actually pulling a little bit for the Phillies because they were like the ultimate nah, underdog. No, but no, the problem, no. the problem is, the Phillies are feeding right into this crazy, crazy bandwagging. I'm, mean, I'm okay with that. Like I've, I've rooted for Red Sox teams that were in that same boat. I've been, I've been in situations where like, and it's true. They had what, like 88 wins and they beat, I mean, 400 plus win teams have been bounced out of the playoffs and they're still there. So like, I can appreciate it. I understand it. I get it. The only thing that turns me off a little bit from that team is the fact that Philly fans across the board, now that the Eagles are doing well and the Phillies are in the the World Series (laughs) are in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, it's like playoffs. everybody and their brother. I can't scroll through Twitter or Instagram or anything without seeing someone. I'm gonna be so insufferable this this next couple good. weeks. Good for them. Good for them. I have not Cause... heard you root for either one of these two teams for fucking years, and now it's the cool thing to do is to root for the Phillies. And now it's like, like I was saying before, your brother's uncle lived next door to Donovan McNabb's sister, so you've always been a lifelong fan because you may have. <laughs> smelled his cologne over your fence once it's no it's come on <laughs> be be honest you're rooting for the team because you might have some affiliation to philly in some way and they're doing well it is what it is welcome to sports i'm glad you're here uh let's see where you're at two years from now when the phillies yeah. are back to relegation and There's, uh yeah it's that's it, the it, one drawback but for now for whatever reason, I like an underdog story, so I'm pulling for the Phillies, even though I'm not a diehard, uh, lifelong Phillies fan. I mean, I, I see it. The throwback uniforms are fucking fire. Wear, wear them every night, and if you make it to the series, wear them every night. Uh, but uh, look, Rob, listener of the podcast, uh, John from New Jersey Craft Beer, also listener of the podcast, 
you know, I can appreciate the Phillies love. Okay. Those, those folks been diehard Phillies fans. They're not bandwagoners. They've been, they've been on it since uh, they were terrible and they were decent. They were terrible. And now I need now those receipts. Can. I need to see proof. I need to see a Phillies. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies Jersey or hat anywhere on social media? I will pay you twenty fucking dollars right now if you can recall oh, one in the I, last five I years. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I will ask my buddy Rob. Who lives, he lives in I'm talking to you. I'll ask him. I'm talking to you. Yeah. When have you known any you personally? Two people. Have Two you, people. No. When have you personally? Not not without researching, going back to Instagram. When was the last time two, you saw two people, Bob, and you two saw people. them wearing Philly gear? Yeah, because Rob. Rob, if you listen to this episode, I'm sorry, but like fucking sometimes he like shows up to a baseball game. We go to like a Nats game and he's wearing a Phillies jersey. And you're like, the fucking Phillies aren't even playing, bro. Like, what are you doing? You I need to see this. Like, I need to see it for proof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tag him. I'm gonna tag him in this when this post we put it up. All right. Um listen, you can go for the Phillies. I gotta go for the Padres. I have it on good authority. Uh, I know an individual who may or may not work for that organization. I gotta go for it. Soto and fucking Tatis, I, they beat the fucking Red Sox West, dude. That that's a big fucking deal, right? Like that's a big fucking deal. So like, if they can outlast the Phillies because they they split the series thus far, their bats came alive tonight, and the Padres happened to happen to win. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. They win this series. I think I if I had to pick, I think Padres Astros would probably be the the series in which I think the Padres could win in less games because if they went against the Yankees, that shit's going to seven. And I, you know, it might end up being like five two Yankees. You know what I mean? Like the Yankees bats are just stupid. But the Padres seem to be peaking at the right time, right? And I think there's something to be said about momentum in baseball, health, uh, and the team joined together. So I really do like the Padres in this particular uh, season, uh, you know, postseason. And if I had to make a World Series prediction, I just did, right? I'll say, you know, if it's uh, if it's Padres Yankees, then Yankees are going to win. If it's Padres. Astros, then I think the Padres will win. If it's Phillies, Yankees, it's fucking Yankees. And if it's Phillies, Astros, it's Astros. I don't really even like saying that shit out loud, but like I think I think that'd be the thing. So what what would your prediction be? Uh, like overall World Series, who's gonna yeah. who's gonna take it all? Um, <laughs> for some reason, my gut tells me it's gonna be Astros, Padres, and Astros gonna win it, but. I would like to see Phillies, Yankees, and I th- and I and I think the Phillies would actually take it. I think this is a good year for like an underdog story. I think the Phillies have been playing. You said you said you thought the Padres were sort of hitting their stride and peaking at the right time. I think the Phillies are doing exactly that. Like you're literally coming in with no expectations from anybody. You're outperforming teams who are you know well above your caliber, but. You're not just like kind of winning games. You are you are outperforming some amazing teams. So I think I think they're hitting their stride. The Yankees tend to have like some pretty significant peaks and valleys. And I think right now they're in one of those peaks. They just squeaked by this series. I think they may ride that momentum a little bit and, and squeak out this next series. But I do think the Phillies might be the ones that actually take this next one. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I have uh put it in the podcast notes it is official 
and we are officially through this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening to this episode. Uh, like, share, subscribe, find Stats Matter wherever you get your podcast, especially Amazon Music. I love yelling at Alexa. Alexa, play fucking Stats Don't Matter. And she's like, I'm sorry, I can't play fucking Stats Don't Matter. And I'm like, uh, I'll, all right, you're right. Sorry, Alexa. Alexa, play Stats Don't Matter. Playing Stats Don't Matter on Amazon Music. Yeah, so go ahead and do that. If you're a fan of the show, like, share, subscribe. Thank you all very much. And we will talk to you all next week. All right. See you. Peace.